Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. It's Thursday, and you know what that means. That means it's time to ignite the dynamite the day after the dynamite. Of course, my camera loses focus right as I start the show again. Typical habit. But hey, folks, welcome to another edition of Day After Dynamite. I am Will Washington. I am not alone here. I am joined by the Matt Man of Matt Men. He is a wrestling observer who observes as often as he can. He is one Andrew Zarian. Andrew, what's up? Dude, that's a great intro. That was the best intro I've ever got in my life. I'm in a I'm in an undisclosed location right now. Uh, I'm sure people are gonna be like, "That's not Andrew's studio." No, it's not. I'm in a, I'm in a very secret place. Oh, very secret, Secrets. undisclosed. Well, I'm glad to finally have you here. By the way, everybody uh, refers to Day After Dynamite as the forbidden door of Fightful Podcast, and now I've got Andrew Zarian here uh, as we continue to let the door swing open. I've done uh, Observer Live with you multiple times, but hey, you got to come on this side now. Yeah, and I've done I've done stuff with Sean. I've done, uh, you know, I, I like this. Like I, I call it the the post pandemic wrestling media boom, where <laughs> yeah. we're all friends. Like we're all very friendly, and like I, they, it, we we work for competitors, but it's not really like everybody's really cool. Like I. I it's it's one of the things that makes me want to keep doing it because I'm like you know, I, I I was I was gushing over Will when we were off the air. I'm like you know I was like Will you're the freaking best. I absolutely love everything you're doing. But like same thing with Denise. Same thing with Sean. Like we're all we're all cool, which I love to see. Yeah, and shout out Denise for getting the uh, uh, she's going to be hosting the pre-show panel. That's my my love good it. old co-host over on after the week. Of course, she's Fightful's own. But as far as I'm concerned, that's my. That's my buddy there, and I'm really happy to see her getting, uh, getting her due. And or as Shawn Michaels called her today on the media call, Denise Salcedo. Uh, so, either way, all great stuff. Hey, folks, I do want to let everybody know though that with this being day after Dynamite, make sure that uh, you're supporting what we do here. Uh, if you send us a super chat, we'll go ahead get that read. YouTube.com/slash/fightful. It's where we read those super chats. I'll be reading those all throughout the show. We've also got your humper chats. That's at humperchats.com. Uh, and any play or any time you send those, um, you could send those all day long. We'll make sure we get to them. Of course, this wouldn't be day after Dynamite without a cameo from one Jeremy Lombert. So, Jeremy, do your thing. Will Washington and John Alba. John Alba's back. Good to see you, John. I'm I'm so glad I'm back on the show. 
Listen, and it's rough. I'm in New Jersey. I'm in New Jersey. <laughs> you know, I'm doing this from my studio. It's it, you know, I put it together. It was that was the big secret here. I didn't I didn't want people to know I redid my whole studio here in Jersey. <laughs> Andrew, it's good to I, as usual, the forbidden door of media, Will Washington. We have exchanged messages before, but I think this is the first time we've ever talked virtually yeah. like this. So it is nice to talk yeah, to you. Man. No, I love this. This is awesome. I, that's what we were talking about. I think it's amazing how everybody's like very, very cool with each other. It's a nice group of people covering, you know, something that I absolutely adore, which is pro wrestling. Yeah. Did, did Jeremy freeze? I feel like he froze. I don't think we have Jeremy I scared anymore. Him. That's it. That was it. That's all he <laughs> no. wanted. <laughs> oh, my, my stream yard has been sure. Uh, yeah, he's he's gone. Uh, that's all right. All right, Jeremy. <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, we got the chat room talking a little trash, talking about how did the chat or how did the nuggets do? Look, we know, uh, it's, we're on a three game losing streak at the moment. It's okay. Bounce Listen, back. Listen, man, I'm a Knicks fan. I know. I, I, I've lived through <laughs> the best times and I've lived through the worst times for the New York Knicks. Yeah. I, I just want to. Like, I guess I'm not asking for too much. Maybe at least, like, a Western Conference championship. Like, that's it. That's all I'm really, like, truly seeking. <laughs> Did Jeremy fix again? Did Jeremy fix? Are you Are you back? Maybe. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, I'm okay. going to come yes. to Colorado. Well, I'm going to come to Colorado, mm-hmm. and I'm going to try out for the Colorado Avalanche because they're down about 15 players right now, and I feel like I can make the team at this point. I didn't see the game Colorado. yesterday, but I saw they lost 4-0. Uh, to zero. Because they don't have – McKinnon's out. Lekkinen, Rodriguez, Nachushkin, Landis Cog, you name them, they're injured. We don't have any players. That's why I'm going to come. I'm going to try out. I'm white and I've played hockey before. I'll fit right in. <laughs> that's all it takes yeah. is to be white that's and have played hockey. It. Okay. Bar, it's very easy to get in. That bar is set very low. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, maybe my internet's fixed, but regardless, I'm not going to take up too much of the time here. Andrew, good to meet you virtually. Good to talk to you. I like your scarf. I assume your MJF pays tribute to you. I think that's how that works. It is an MJF tribute. Yes. No, he pays tribute to you. you you're not paying tribute. You did it first. You know what? I think I did do it first. I'm going to take See? that gimmick from him. I'll steal that gimmick from him for sure. <laughs> well, I, I wish you well. Every time I hear Mariah Carey on the radio, I think of you. I don't know if that's good or bad, but there's a lot of Mariah Carey <laughs> on the radio Same right thing now. With me, Jeremy. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it came on. It came on the other day when we were driving. Like, oh, I was Mariah Carey. I was like, oh, Will Washington. Which, uh, which song was it? It's always all I want for Christmas. That's that's all they, ever, you. That's all they ever play. Yeah, good. Uh, <laughs> that's that, it, that deserves all the credit it gets. Anyway, thank you, everybody. It's Jeremy Longbear, everybody. And uh, we got a super chat here. Kyle Masters, elite point of view, says, "What's up, boy? Shout out to you both. Have a good show. Thank you so much, Kyle. There's a lot to talk about uh, because yesterday, Tony Khan." had a media call were you on it andrew i was not uh i i knew i so uh i big credit to tony khan uh living the gimmick of the john alba mix-up you know the twin magic that john and i do <laughs> john tweeted about something about the time of the show and i guess it was wrong and tony messaged me he goes i by mistake messaged the other one thinking it was you and then he sent me the time for the uh for the press conference ah 
Okay. Well, yeah, so we did have uh, the media call yesterday, the Ring of Honor media call. It's actually up right now, youtube.com slash Fightful, if you want to listen to it in its entirety. I didn't get any questions in at the time, uh, but Tony did tell a lot of, uh, he gave us a lot of information, and he uh, talked a lot in detail about everything going on with his um, his family and specifically what had been going on with his mother, um, and he talked about that leading off into everything going on with William Regal. He, he, he told us beforehand, we saw on the, uh, when we got the invite, it specifically said that he was going to address the William Regal rumors, um, specifically everything involving William Regal leaving AEW, possibly heading back to WWE. Shawn Michaels also addressed that on the NXT deadline call today. Um, Mildly, the other Andrew Zarian um, did ask the question on the Shawn Michaels call. He specifically asked about uh, the rumors and said that, you know, Tony Khan straight up said he's heading back to WWE. So do you have anything to say about that, Shawn? Shawn really wasn't going to address that too much um, because at the end of the day, William Regal is still technically under AEW contract. And I believe it was said that he's there through the holidays as far as um, his actual contract. So WWE is not stupid. They're not going to actually say, yeah, he's yeah. coming back here. Uh, so they gave us the uh, the line of, well, he's, he's very well respected. I love, by the way, Tony on the Ring of Honor call kept referring to him as uh, Lord William Regal. And Shawn Michaels kept referring to him as Stephen Regal. And I just thought That's both so of them, neither of them are his name. He's uh, Darren Matthews. But at the end of the yeah. day, uh, they all know him from a, an older gimmick of some sort. And so I just thought that was kind of cute. But uh, it is confirmed at this stage that Regal will not be remaining with AEW that he specifically did ask uh almost back in it sounded like Tony was indicating that it was about September-ish that Regal had uh indicated that he did not want his options renewed and that he wanted to go back to WWE and coach his son um and shout out to David Bixenspan who did ask the question on the call about anything relating to Regal's um non-competes and tony did address that uh through the first year he said through the year uh so it sounds like through 2023 um part of regal's non-compete clause is not appearing on screen that he is going back to wwe in a coaching role uh and or just a behind the scenes role i'm not sure exactly what uh what role he's going to be taking on there but he will not be an on-screen character. This isn't the return of GM Regal, at least immediately. This isn't going to be the return of War Games immediately. Although I wonder if they'll just like use a sound bite now that they have his, his oh, uh, sure. now that they have him behind the scenes. But uh, this is what it's looking like right now that Regal, and it was addressed on the show, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit as we go through the results of the show. But as the news is concerned, Regal is officially heading back according to tony khan what did you think andrew yeah uh you know i was i was surprised that he was going back so soon i i always expected him to end up back there in some capacity i think the way he got released was really crappy uh he was this you know long time statesman of that company he was very instrumental and developmental and and training these people and preparing people in nxt uh, the the hands-on role that regal had uh, was astronomical and the respect that Regal has in that company is, is astronomical. So 
you know, it's not he didn't leave by choice. He was, you know, released during the pandemic uh, with Hunter back in a position of power and the rumblings that they're revamping NXT for 2023, uh, that it's going to be a little bit of a different take on NXT compared to, you know, just being developmental now on TV. I think they're realizing that you need some other stronger talent on that roster to, to build it and to create that audience that tunes in every week. You know, the number that they were doing in the 700s was a solid number a year or so ago or whatever, whatever it was before the main switch over. So I think they want to get back there. And a guy like Regal is instrumental in getting these, you know, wrestlers ready for TV. Um, Tony letting him go is interesting to me. You know, the fact that he honored that with with Regal and the fact that, you know, Regal's generally going for his son. His son is in developmental. Uh, it, it says something about his character for sure, for Tony's character. Uh, he doesn't want to keep you hostage in a company and have you unhappy. But, you know, him not being on air is is more important, I guess, in the AEW positioning because he was an AEW guy on TV. And now he won't be on TV, so you're not going to get that general switchover. Uh, listen, I, I think at the end of the day, you got to do what's going to make you happy. And Regal, he's, you know, approaching the end of his career more than the beginning of his career, obviously. And he wants to be with his friends and he wants to be with his kid. Why not just let him live that? Yeah, and you know, I was thinking about the the being on TV part. Uh, there's a few things. Um, so going back, you know, Tony made sure to note because it's been in the news a lot. Uh, he made sure to note that he can't reunite every family. That was his specific statement there. Because of course, my immediate thought when he said that Regal wanted to be back with the son was, well, you know, there was. Um, Malachi, who did confirm he asked for his release, and you know that would be reuniting him and Zelina. Um, you know, I, there's no word that, uh, and so don't take this as a rumor. This is just me just throwing other relationships out there. But you know, you have Keith Lee and Mia Yim who are on separate rosters and things along those lines. And so I worried a little bit about setting a precedent of allowing people to basically reunite the hey, families Andrade. who are Andrade's another one. Yeah, that's a that's a big one, right? And so that's a very big one. <laughs> Yeah, and so thinking about the idea of setting a precedent of such um, is, I don't know if that's so great for AEW, and Tony did address that. He specifically said, I can't reunite every family, and uh, I, I I have a hunch as to why that is. But as far as Regal going back, being let out of his contract early, I think for AEW, with Regal not appearing on screen, because I've seen some speculation. I've seen people asking the question, well, what's stopping WWE from just like not honoring that? You know, they haven't really honored anybody's uh, contracts as far as contacting people is concerned. What would stop them from just bringing him on screen? And to me, I think it sounds to me in the way that Regal filmed an exit that we're going to talk about here in just a minute. Um, the way that Regal just tweeted earlier today about... Um, the Blackpool Combat Club, talking about being BCC for life, all of that stuff. Uh, the way that there seems to be this mutual respect, um, at least publicly, between Regal and uh, Tony Khan. I don't think Regal would have signed anything that prevented him from being on screen elsewhere if he didn't intend to honor it. That doesn't sound like Regal. Uh, that doesn't sound like the way he'd do business. And I think for him, it really is about being behind the scenes and doing the work he was doing before uh, more so than it is playing the role on screen that he's been doing in AEW. Um, I I thought about it from AEW's perspective and how AEW has 
they can sell the long-term effects of this, of everything with Regal not being on screen. You know, if people can't see him, if he's not able to be seen doing work in WWE, you can still sell what MJF did to him. You can still sell Brian being upset, distraught over MJF doing what he did to Regal. You can still sell a revenge story as long as Regal's not appearing elsewhere. Because if Regal pops up on Monday Night Raw every week, uh, making matches, doing things... Yeah, it would be incredibly difficult. It wouldn't make any sense for AEW television if you have Brian feuding with MJF over a William Regal who's on screen elsewhere. But if you do have Regal essentially out of play on TV, it doesn't hurt AEW stories as much as it potentially could have. So I think ultimately that's probably the best thing they could have asked asked for in terms of preserving the show. I saw there's a Sports Kita article um, that... Cited some awful people, by the way, but there was a Sports Kita article that was titled uh, Fans Upset Over uh, the Length of Regal's Non-Compete Because uh, WWE Has Typically Done 90 Days. Um, Guys, in case you're one of those people, bear in mind that 90 days is typically on WWE's end of things, as in we released you here's the 90 day non-compete but usually if somebody asks out of their contract it's within wwe scope to hold people to non-competes that are even longer if they if the wrestler themselves have exited the terms of their contract a good example of that is brock lesnar when brock lesnar left in 2004 brock was held to an extensive non-compete compete to the point of where when uh Brock went to New Japan. Um, WWE actually balked over that. They were like, technically, this is breaking the non-compete. And there were some legal arguments over whether or not New Japan counted because it wasn't operating in America. And was that in the terms of Brock's contract? There's a whole legal mumble jumbo over that. But the fact was, Brock had an extensive non-compete clause that said that, yeah, you can go. But going means playing in the NFL. Going means going to UFC. Going does not mean going to another wrestling company for the extent of this non-compete clause. Um, And that brings me to the next topic, which is another person who potentially has a longer non-compete, Sasha Banks. Uh, And there's all of a sudden rumors floating around. And I love going to you for stuff like this. I didn't even realize when I Booked you for this show three weeks ago that this was what we're going to be talking about. But there's all of a sudden rumors floating around that Sasha Banks is going to be doing something big come January. Whether that's returning via the Royal Rumble. Whether that's, as PW Insider reported today, shout out Mike Johnson for the report that she will be at... Wrestle Kingdom, or as going around rumored right now, AEW last night announced a tag match that will see Jamie Hayter and uh, the AEW Women's World Champion Jamie Hayter teaming with her partner Britt Baker to the Killer and the Pillar. That's right, that's their tag name. Uh, teaming up to take on Soraya and a mystery partner. But that match is scheduled to take place January 11th. That's a long way off. And it's in the biggest venue, or one of the biggest venues AEW runs, the Kia Forum in Inglewood, California, where the Lakers used to play. 
uh, there's a lot of questions now. Why would Tony Khan book a match that far out without attempting to build some hype around this and wanting the speculation to run wild? Uh, one person described it to me as feeling very reminiscent of what happened with CM Punk. And so now there's a lot of questions. And I don't know. What have you heard, Andrew? Uh, you know, it, it's the Sasha thing is fascinating to me because it looked like all the, everything was pointing that she was going back to WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Hunter came in, uh, a lot of the the conversation shifted uh, as to you know when are they showing up, not if are they if they're going to show up. When it, when is uh, Naomi and Sasha showing up? Now, I, listen, when when she was training with Hoovy and I and I saw those clips, you know, she posted something when she was training with Hoovy. And I was like, ah, this is interesting. I wonder why. Um, but it makes a lot of sense. I Listen, she's a huge wrestling fan. People don't realize that. I don't think people know how much she loves professional wrestling. She, she didn't show up at a WWE tryout on an NIL deal. She didn't show up on a casting deal. She was wrestling in the indies. She trained. She worked hard at it. And she rose to the moment. I mean, as high as you could go in that company. Um, I would love to see more of Sasha outside of WWE to see what else she could do. And I, and, and it's quite possible she feels the same. You know, I, I talked to, I, same with you. I, I'm sure we have a lot of mutual friends at both companies. Uh, the thing I always hear from the WWE side, from the, from the wrestling fan wrestlers is we're very limited at times on things we can do and can't do and look this way, look that way. A lot of those restrictions do not exist in AEW. Uh, definitely doesn't exist in New Japan, and you have an opportunity. I don't, and I don't know if this is a possibility. You know, for New Japan to to bring in female wrestling on their cards, uh, who better to do it on their first? You know, uh, for the first Wrestle Kingdom for a moment like that. I think a Sasha Banks or Mercedes, whatever she's going to go by. Uh, man, that's that's eyeballs for you. Now for Tony, you know what's hysterical? Well, so when I watched last night when I was watching a promo, I was like. I, I didn't know, right? I wasn't I wasn't even thinking like it, it could be Sasha, but I was thinking, who are the blogs gonna speculate on? Mm-hmm. And you know what I saw a lot of? AJ Lee. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm like, you know what? AJ would have been a great guess if the events of September never happened. <laughs> yes, absolutely. If I think uh, that I, been I, a as a matter of fact, I I I was pushing for that months ago. I, I before yeah. anything went down with CM Punk, I would have loved to have seen AJ Lee at this. Uh, but again, the the main reason that my flags happen to be uh, going off just a little bit. Tell you where my speculation sits. People have been asking me pretty much for the last couple of hours. What's your percentage now? Because I have a little bit running on the podcasts where people ask me, what is my percentage of Sasha Banks appearing in AEW versus WWE? Oh, month great. ago. Okay, so give me, give me what it was. Yeah. What was it a month ago? Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Month ago, I said 90% WWE, 2% AEW, and then I guess the remaining 8% elsewhere. Uh, that percentage dropped hugely for WWE. Uh, in the last month or so, I would say around the time she filed those trademarks. And my percentage for WWE went down to probably about 70. My AEW percentage only rose to about 6. 
Today, I tweeted with no other context, 60%. And a lot of people in the replies knew what I was getting at there, why I said that. That percentage is now what I'm applying to Sasha Banks in AEW. And I will tell you why. I jumped from a 6% to 60 Um This is, again, possible reckless speculation. But speculation nonetheless. There's word going around. Conan even reported on K100 a couple weeks ago. Conan said that he's heard from the people training with Sasha Banks in Mexico that Sasha Banks is not planning to step back into a ring until January um, and my question on that, why? Because as far as WWE is concerned, that's the only place that has the ability to bring her back tomorrow if they wanted to. Because at the end of the day, whether she's under contract, whether she's currently under a non-compete, a lot of people don't really know. Raj Geary did report back in June that um, she was uh, released from her contract. I talked to Raj personally. We had dinner. He did talk to me about um, the reason he believes so and some of the things he's seen specifically um, that give him the indicator that there was an actual release that took place. And, yeah, and Raj um, is careful rumors. with that stuff. Yeah. I think you muted yourself uh, when you said Sorry about that. Did something. Uh, Raj, there you go. Uh, Raj, Raj doesn't generally, right? I, I mean, I've, I've followed Raj's career for the last almost 20 years. I'm, I'm going to call him old now. Raj is getting older, right? <laughs> yes. He's older than us. Uh, I adore Raj. Uh, Raj has been doing this for a long time. He He's generally very careful with this stuff, and he won't post something like that on Twitter or on the website uh, without there being some sort of factual backing. So yeah. when and he posted it, I, I, I leaned in, in the camp of, I believe, Raj. Yeah, and uh, and I, I, I never really doubted that he's, you know, I, I talked to Raj about it. I don't have any doubts that he's seen what he's seen and the reason that he has to um, believe that to be the case. What I will say is that you know when that happened there was a lot of rumors going around about an extensive non-compete little things along those lines uh, and sean of course talked about today that wrestlecade was told specifically sasha banks was not going to be able to take any bookings um until january so again this january date keeps popping up january 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 now we're being told that wrestle kingdom they're expecting to see sasha banks in January uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Again, there, there's that January date again. Uh, and all of a sudden now, AEW announces mystery partner for, uh, for Soraya. Again, January 11th. There's that January date again. And the, the biggest indicator to me, again, is the fact that if WWE wanted her back unless they're just waiting for the rumble and that's why i'm not increasing that beyond my 60 percent. but if they wanted her back right now they're the only ones with the ability to basically if there is some kind of extensive non-compete from a release that may have taken place back in january if that's the case uh then they are the only place that has the ability to renege that to basically say nah you want to come back today come back today and uh, they they don't have to wait. No, nothing about them has to wait. Everybody else does, and that's telling me that she's probably headed elsewhere. 
now. I mean, wouldn't it be uh, amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if she did all three in January? She did Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> she did that AEW show. And then she shows up at the Rumble. That would be incredible. Look, all of a sudden, though, I'm really excited for January. I don't know what January holds, but it's sounding more and more like we are in for the next thing, the next phase of her career this coming January. And I don't know. My gut no longer says, you know, I thought for sure. I thought when it was booked, honestly, when they announced Survivor Series TD Garden sold out, I thought, oh, there's no better place to bring back Sasha Banks. Uh, it, and I've seen people say, well, the Rumble could be bigger. I don't think so. Not her hometown in that sold out TD Garden. An arena, by the way, that four days later she was at a Celtics game. I don't I don't know. Uh, there is a big piece of me that you feels think like shows up at the show uh, in, uh, in, in California and does her hey, intro. Sure. <laughs> I mean, Why listen, Bow Wow's working, right? It didn't didn't Snoop discover Bow Wow. So there you go. Yeah. So that's another thing. Uh, so I have seen some speculation again, speculation. But this is from people because, um, again, what I did today as soon as this started going around was I'm like, I have to ask people in AEW. And I asked all around. Now, I know who's not going to tell me anything. I know that if I ask certain people, I'm just going to get a uh, message left on red. And it's like, okay, I know that you're not going to say anything. Or you'll give me a no comment, whatever it is. But I'm going to ask people who may not necessarily know, no, but at least know what signs to look for. And... The biggest thing I was told today was Tony didn't book a match a month out if he didn't have some kind of surprise waiting. And that's that's the thing. And then we had a little bit of a conversation and we had a little bit of speculation over, uh, or I was given a little bit of speculation over the fact that, um, uh, what is that show that just premiered on USA Network? Nikki Bella is on, or is that Brie Bella? I don't even know. Oh, um, Barmageddon. Um, yeah, yeah. So Sasha Banks, of course, appeared on that show recently, and somebody mentioned to me that you know, given when all of that was filmed, which was quite some time ago, um, they said I could see everything around her non-competes being tied to stuff like that of like, what do we still have in the can that's not aired yet um, around our business partners with USA Network, with things along those lines? What do we have still in the can that we still need Sasha Banks as a credited WWE superstar for? Because there was a lot of stuff around that earlier this year, specifically around Cody and the uh, and leaving AEW with Go Big Show stuff still having to air and how... No matter what Cody was going to do, he was not going to appear. I mean, once WrestleMania was set, it was WrestleMania. We, we knew that. But Cody was not going to appear in any other capacity until Go Big Show had ended. Uh, and Go Big Show happened to go off a month before WrestleMania. So officially, all of that was, was good to go. But that actually makes a lot of sense to me uh, as far as, you know, I could see WWE not wanting anything to air on USA Network featuring this now WWE, I mean, where she would be credited as a former WWE superstar or anything along those lines while it's airing. Now, that's out of play December. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What are your thoughts? What do you, what are you thinking? 
I, I, I think she's leaning. I'm leaning towards where you're going with it. Uh, the Hoovy stuff was interesting. And then, you know, Hoovy did an interview right around that time talking about his what he was planning on doing in AEW after mm-hmm. the Jericho stuff. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, so sometimes subliminally these things come out. You know, it's in the back of your mind. You know something, so you kind of bring it up on the side. Uh, I think we tend to do that, right, uh, with with podcasting sometimes. Something is sitting in the back of our heads or we know something, so we start, you know, bringing it I'm not saying that's what you're doing right now. I'm not saying you have a mm-hmm. definitive answer. Maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I have heard the same stuff I've heard from people that would really love her in AEW. I, I think she's a major, major, you know, piece in that puzzle for the women's division in that company. And it's only getting stronger, which they need. I mean, over the last year, they've done tremendous work at that division. Um, I, I, you know, but here's the reality, though, right? Who would handle her better? Is it WWE or is it AEW? What she, her ambitions? Who's who's going to be able to provide her what she wants? I don't. We don't know. I don't know what AEW could provide for her. I don't know if she wants, you know, to be involved in reality shows and television. And you know, we saw her do the Mandalorian, and everybody within WWE thought that this would really pick up and become a thing for her because she was fantastic, and everybody loved her on that set. So, you know, obviously she has some ambition beyond wrestling. Would AEW be able to facilitate facilitate that for her with the Discovery Warner connection or? is WWE in a better position to do that also? So these are all things that come into play on top of money, obviously. But I, I'm, you know, with the New Japan story and knowing how much she loves professional wrestling, I'm leaning towards she's she's going to do something else. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Again, all reckless speculation at this point. I, all right. I And I love yeah. that. That's fun stuff, you know? It's always fun to speculate like this, especially, you know, when, when you have a talent like like Sasha that left the way she did. And, I mean, 2022 probably has to be uh, one of the most chaotic years in pro wrestling. Isn't it? I mean, uh, you know, we shout out, by the way, to the Fightful Awards coming up because we are doing our annual Fightful Awards. And I think... Some of these awards I've been looking at the results of as the voting's coming in. Some of them have been kind of landslides. The one I'm interested in is biggest news story of the year because uh, I don't know what people are going to agree on. I feel like most people are like, dude, it's Vince, obviously. And it's like, no, Brawl Out was the biggest story of the year. Uh, No, Cody Rhodes jumping ship from a company he helped found. That's the biggest story of the year. I, I don't know right now what the biggest story and i still think that the sasha banks and naomi walking out on a live monday night raw should still be in the conversation for one of the biggest stories to take place this year i don't actually know what it is but i would say I, i'm I curious say what you guys it would have to be vince I, I would say it would have to be vince because of the 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 status he has had of in the business for the last, you know, our entire lives. Essentially, we don't know wrestling outside of a Vince McMahon world. We don't we don't know that. You know, I'm, I'm 38 years old. I grew up in the Northeast. That's all we really knew. Uh, but I, I think the CM Punk, the brawl out, which is hysterical. Great name for it. Uh, I would say that moment is a pivotal moment for AEW's future, whether or not that that it was the one piece that you know started the, the the decline or they were able to 
rebound from this and turn it into something fantastic in 2023. I think AEW had a crappy year this year for sure. Uh between Cody and and Punk leaving, uh you know, and everything else that happened over there. There were a ton of news and speculation, I mean tons of stuff. Um the story of 2022 will be how do they recover from this and how do they, you know, flip course? I think Tony, listen, Tony is a smart guy and he knows exactly what he's doing and he'll I think he'll have a fine year. But for WWE, you know, your the entire course that that company's future changed. You know, at least the the 5 to 10 year future of that company changed and we don't know what to expect. You know, we we've already seen we would not have gotten a war games if 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 uh, Vince was still around. I don't know who else would have maybe jumped ship or come back or left if Vince was still around. So I, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Vince McMahon story because it's such a uh, you know butterfly effect of scenarios that are going to come out of this. For sure. And by the way, get your votes in, FightfulSelect.com. We're releasing more categories every single day. We're doing about two a day. And you, if you're subscribed to Fightful Select, you'll see those pop up in your inbox. So get those votes in. Of course, me, Denise, and Sean Ross Sapp will be hosting the Fightful Awards presentation ceremony, whatever you want to call it. I don't think we have an actual name for it yet, but uh, we'll be the three hosting that. So definitely check that out. Also on FightfulSelect.com today is another edition of Ask Grapsity. That's coming up at 5 p.m. Eastern. However, I will not be present for this. First, Ask Rhapsody without me. You'll just be asking Phil and Reg today. And the reason for that is because, look, guys, my daughter's first ever middle school dance is coming up here in just two hours. I am... I'm more nervous for this than I think she is. But uh, I have agreed to chaperone this thing. Um, I'm one of a couple of parents, a, a number of my friends, actually, uh, are basically going to be chaperoning this thing. So we'll get to be the dads hanging out there and watching these kids do TikTok moves on the floor, whatever it oh, is. Gosh. The ruler's <laughs> got to come out. The distance. Keep the distance. Listen, I'm right behind you. My daughter's seven. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm right behind you. And it's a, it's a, it, being a dad is a job of its own. Uh, and I, I, I feel for you. I do. <laughs> I'm, I I'm excited. Yeah, I I'm excited. I, I, I'm I'm very much looking forward to this. It's in two hours, so again, I'll I'll probably be there at the start of Ask Rhapsody. I might answer a couple of questions, but ultimately, I'm gonna have to dip and uh, head on over to the middle school to help set up, help get everything going, and then yeah, I'm spending my evening dancing with some middle schoolers. Let's go. All right, <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, Anyway, folks, I'm going to read some of your super chats, and then we're going to kind of breeze through the results of Dynamite. We got, uh, who do we want to read first? Here, let's start with, uh, we got Van Twinblade says, who cares about basketball? Let's go Blues. Uh, Caden, who was at Dynamite in uh, Austin, Texas, actually Cedar Park, Texas, but it's so close to Austin. What we're talking, I think it's less than 30 minutes. Uh, He says, best Dynamite I've been to, give Starks the belt. Uh, Jennifer Kathleen says AW is doing so well with setting up antagonism for their young stars. Could see Ricky MJF and Yuta Garcia being hot rivalry stories for years to come. We also got another here. This one is from Joel Wood says, what do you think of the likelihood that WWE let Sasha do this? Because 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. She's wanted to do it as a condition to bring her back. Again, though, if that's the case, just let her go do it. Um, there's nothing. WWE is in full control of Sasha Banks's current situation. If it were a case of I want to wrestle elsewhere, she could be wrestling elsewhere yesterday. She could be wrestling elsewhere a month ago. And that's what has me. That's what has my eyebrows raised at things is that she could have been in stardom a while ago. Um, there is nothing stopping them from letting her do that now, um, unless there is some kind of contract that has to be. Uh, talked about so that's my only thing van twinblade says raj is old anyone over 25 is old we all old <laughs> tell him Look, I pa- tweet him. <laughs> uh irene c says uh any thoughts on punk's instagram posts some posts are wwe photos but one refers to satan which mjf took from their feud and basically made his persona um I have nothing to take away from that, mainly because Punk knows at this stage anything he posts is going to get traction, and so I can't take anything away from that right now. Right now, his social media is a magnet. It is If he posts literally anything, it's going to get eyes on it. Ah, man, what a, what, a, what a story that would be if he went back next year. My God. Again, 2023 is going to be quite a year, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Anime Otaku, Mercedes versus Kyrie at Wrestle Kingdom Night 2. I could see that. I'd take that for uh, sure. Fantastic. Uh, Joel also says, what percentage do you give Naomi returning to WWE? I still say I'm at like a 70% on her returning. But again... Anything could happen, right? She posted the pictures with uh, Jade Cargill this week. Um, but they both know that solely those pictures existing get buzz. Uh, so I'm not necessarily reading anything out of those pictures as much as that's just wrestling people, having fun with the internet. Um, 
But at the same time, Naomi's admitted she watches AEW. She said that a couple years ago, that uh, when um, Cameron, Ariane Andrew, appeared in AEW, she talked about the fact that she didn't know that was coming until she showed up on screen. But she just happened to be watching at that time, which I thought was an interesting statement to make Mm. of a, oh, you're kind of outwardly admitting that this is a show you keep on and watch. Um, Which I thought that was also an interesting thing to be admitting while the Wednesday Night War was going. Uh, So, (laughs) again, just an interesting statement that had come out of Naomi. So it's very clear that she keeps track of AEW and AEW's happenings. So I am... I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility either, but that's not one I'm solely leaning on, but hey, it could happen. Another thing that came out of the news out of Dynamite yesterday uh, was three event announcements. They announced that there's going to be an event in Laredo, Texas, uh, the same arena, I believe, that John Cena returned at earlier this year for his 20th anniversary show. Uh, They also announced an event for... Sacramento, California, coming up after um, Revolution, and it's the arena where the Kings play. And they announced a, an event for Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, which, of course, the hometown of Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. The, of course, news here is, as I talked about last week, this is three more venues, three more markets. AEW's never run. Um, and so far, as far as next year is concerned, as far as events are concerned, everything next year except for the Kia form, is a new market. They, they're not doing any repeats, nothing. Uh, they've announced 13 events next year, and 12 of them are new markets. I know that was a big piece of why wow. Jeff Jarrett was brought in, and uh, this is all new stuff for them. I think, I think that's and, the best way to do it. You know, we, we, we've seen, if you follow WrestleTix, for example, we've seen the numbers for those shows go down. And... Not because the shows are bad. It's how many times are you going to return to the same market over and over again? You know, New York Grand Slam, it's a specialty event, right? But they ran UBS twice, UBS Mm -hmm. Arena here in New York. And you saw the numbers were going down a little bit. So I I think it's great to get out of – get out of – You muted your mic again. This is the problem with this Shore microphone. (laughs) I got to switch – I got to, like, rotate it. Sorry. (laughs) It's all good. I see your hand hit it. I see your like when you get in that hand motion, it's like, oh, there it goes. Uh, you know, I get yelled button. at by Lance Storm weekly for touching my mic too much. He's like, why do you touch the mic arm so much? So now th- this is the exact reason why I should stop. <laughs> uh, well, so and I put out a stat yesterday um, because I've do- been doing some stat tracking on events. I'm actually working on some stats for WWE events as well because I know WWE ran 189 different markets in 2022. Uh, they did a lot and um, hundreds of shows within those 189 markets. AEW ran 51 different arenas this year. So the reason that's interesting to me is because even in doing just 13 or 12 new events coming up next year, 12 new venues, 12 new markets, um, the fact is, even with some repeats, I think they repeated, let's see the stat here as I pull it up. It was, they ran 51, they taped at 51 uh, venues this year, and that is not including Ring of Honor. Solely AEW events taped at 51 venues in 2022. 18 were run more than once. Three were run more than twice. And uh, the the three that were run more than twice were um, obviously Universal Orlando, uh, 
Now Arena in Chicago and the Prudential Center in New Jersey. Those are the three that they ran more than twice in 2022. Um, but regardless, it's looking like it's 2023 is going to be a vastly different year just based on the fact that for the first quarter of the year already, they're not running any of the venues they ran this year. So it's like guaranteed a lot of places that got events this year are not getting them next year. So that's going to be really interesting. We talked about how different 2023 is going to look. It's going to look different from just a fan perspective because they're getting in front of some new audiences, some new markets, and uh, running the West Coast a lot more than they were before. It's, it's going to be a very different year. I'm hearing some rumors that even pay-per-views aren't going to be in the same place. Um, but one place that they did run that was run, if I'm not mistaken, for the fourth time was Austin, Texas last night. They ran uh, Cedar... Park, Texas, the HEB Center in Cedar Park. And this is a venue that they've been to before. This was actually where Nyla Rose won the AEW Women's World Championship at their first stop there. Um, this, I understand why they keep coming back here. This crowd was insane. This was an yeah. awesome awesome crowd they're always loud they were loud the first time and it always it always took me by surprise it took me by surprise the first time they ran this place because if you told me who were going to be the loudest and just most into a show you know you think your chicago's your new york's all of those places where you get those hardcore wrestling bases wouldn't have even occurred to me to think austin texas never now granted they've had some wrestling history there never would have thought to put them on a list of best wrestling cities at any point. But they're reliable as far as getting that reaction for certain things. And they knew Ricky Starks having a bit of a home in Austin, Texas. He was going to be one of the favorites. They had a battle royal. And in said battle royal, it was uh, to determine who gets to face MJF for the Dynamite Diamond ring this match really centered around a couple of people um mainly dustin who is from austin texas it's centered around um ricky starks who uh coming up in a second we'll talk about how the segment played out and really the story with the firm and matt hardy uh but ricky starks ended up getting the victory what'd you think of the battle royal uh you know i i i went in with little expectation and i enjoyed it a lot the crowd sold it for me for sure mm -hmm. uh generally when it's like a battle royal on tv i i don't go in there thinking it's going to be a great match but the crowd sold that match ricky looked great it was a you know a making moment for ricky and then the post uh the post segment was awesome yes we gotta talk about the post segment my god okay so pretty much everybody kind of expected the moment that it was rumored that it was going to be MJF taking on Ricky Starks. The thing you could see across social media was, ooh, what are the segments going to be like? What are the promos going to be like? Let's go. And granted, the match is next week, so we got the promo we're going to get. But if this was a sink or swim moment for Ricky Starks, I thought that man swam a marathon. This was... Such a great segment. Uh, MJF, of course, made his way down after Ricky Starks got the victory. And uh, he talked his normal trash. He called out 
Brian Danielson noted Brian Danielson not here um, because he took out William Regal, all of that stuff. It's clear that the longer-term plan is Brian Danielson versus MJF. That makes sense. But in the meantime, we've got this stopgap that is Ricky Starks versus MJF. And Ricky Starks getting on the mic, and I thought he shredded MJF. You know, MJF had some some jabs there. He uh, called him Dollar Store Dwayne, called him the Pebble, uh, made fun of his physique, and uh, basically Starks talked about MJF going for low-hanging fruit. I thought some of the stuff that really helped with progressing AEW storylines. The one thing he talked about was when these fans got behind me, I gave it back to them and I gave them a reason. Uh, But when they got behind you, you ran away from it because you couldn't handle it. And, uh, and I thought uh, Ricky just got so deep in his bag. He sounded like somebody who wanted to win a world championship. He sounded like somebody who was ready to take that step into the main event. He had the crowd behind his every word. He got the crowd to chant MaxiPad, and MaxiPad is still taking off on Twitter. Uh, MJF is having to fight off MaxiPad. I just thought that everything about this was playing out uh, almost exactly how you needed it to for Ricky Starks to look like a million bucks. How did you feel coming out of this? So... I have to tell you, when MJF started cutting the promo and started comparing him to Dwayne, I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of crappy, right? I was like, I was like, ah, oh, man, you're you're kind of you're doing this like you're buried at that point. You can't get out of that because that's all people are gonna see. But when Ricky started cutting his promo and was like, you're like a cheap, you know, Roddy Piper, it made all the sense then, right? So they showed who they're influenced by, who they admire, and then they continued on with their feud. Uh, it didn't bo- like I. I, I was going to make a tweet, and I was like, I want to st- wait a little bit before I comment because I want to see what the reply is going to be. They did a fantastic job, and they made me care about it, which, you know, you got two young talent. This is, the you know, one of the first times that you're doing a program like this that it's, you know, too homegrown, right, we're going we're gonna to say. Um, battling, you know, for, in a title contendership positioning, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. MJF looked great. And, and Ricky, you know, these are the future of that company. You know, these are their homegrown guys that you need to put eyeballs on. And like you said, these are fuse that you, we could see for the next, you know, five years on and off. You've created something here. Oh yeah. This is now a rivalry that has legs. You know, you can, you know, obviously do what you're going to do at winter is coming. And I believe we're going to see at the end of the day, MJF walk away with the championship. But now this is something I'm excited to see possibly revisited down the line. This could end up being one of MJF's career rivals. All of a sudden we got something here that I think set and laid the groundwork for something special moving forward. And uh, I was just over the moon when this was over. I thought, Again, it was a main event kind of sink or swim moment for um, Ricky Starks. You know, a lot of people uh, compare Ricky Starks to The Rock, right? And so uh, I I can live with that. But only in the sense that you know who MJF compares to in this case that I'm not going to give kind of the obvious ones because people say Miz. People, people give their comparisons, Roddy Piper, all of that. But more so, if done correctly... I think MJF compares here to Hunter. And part of the reason I say that was because, um, of course, for the the younger listeners in the audience, the younger viewers in the audience, 
by 98, Rock and Hunter were seen as career rivals. They were seen as guys who yeah. were kind of at each other's throats. And kind of a, um, a miracle set of scenarios happened in 99 where uh, Undertaker went out. And that left a void for a top heel because Taker had really been feeling that top heel role on in WWE that whole year. And all of a sudden, no Taker. That allowed Hunter to move up. And then Austin went out. And that basically allowed The Rock, who had been main eventing as a heel, but not, but you know, as a babyface, he was really gaining traction uh, everywhere else. But as soon as Austin went out, that moved rock into the top babyface spot and we kind of at the exact same time saw triple h and rock move from being these kind of uh mid-card staples of wwe to suddenly being the guys and uh and staying alongside each other kind of the whole way and i think you could really make mjf and ricky starks be kind of AEW's homegrown career rivals in that sense if you really wanted to keep this kind of thing going. And honestly, that's how I see something like this playing out of like, I, I, I want that to be the case and I want it to keep going. I think you could do more with this as time goes on. No, I agree with you. Uh, and especially, you know, you're seeing online people calling it MJF's reign of terror, which is a triple H 2004, you know, analogy or, you know, that was the same verbiage that they used for Hunter's run in 04 when he held that title forever. So I, I obviously it's all by design. I, I, I thought they did a fantastic job. Um, just it, it's it's fascinating to see, you know, if you look at the booking for AEW the last couple of weeks, they've started creating these stories here more and more where a lot of people complain saying, you know, AEW is not story driven. I, you know, if you don't look, if you don't watch the product, you may think that that is not very much story driven. It's more match driven. But there, these are set pieces now for the story that's being told between Regal and now uh, you obviously incorporated uh, Danielson in here, which makes sense. It's not just a I'm going to beat you up because I want that title. Uh, it's more personal now. And they're connecting these two, you know, between Ricky and, and MJF. They're connecting these two and their careers. They're marrying them. And it's a total positive for both of them. I, I really hope this works the way they want it to work. I I hope it does, too. And I think this was a really great start to that. And I, I absolutely came out of this wanting to see more. Another thing I came out of wanting to see more. I can't believe this. Uh, this was one that I thought would be at least okay at best. But I came out of it feeling like this is the one. But it was TNT title, Samoa Joe versus Darby Allen. Uh, I'm going to admit something here, folks. Haven't admitted this ever because this was a guy who, for those following me a long time, I gave Samoa Joe 2005 Wrestler of the Year. One of my favorites ever. Love Samoa Joe. Oh crap, did I go robotic? Hold on a sec. Bear with me. I have to refresh because apparently my, my thing is bad. Well, there we go. <laughs> there, we, there we are. You got a double shot of me. Here you go. I'll stay here. I'll come over to this side. There Sorry, folks. Sorry about that. Okay. Hopefully I'm back. Everything sound good. Everything look good. You look fine. You look good. You sound fine. <laughs> okay. So, 
Samoa Joe versus Darby Allen. I'm going to admit something. Never admitted before. <sighs> Samoa Joe. One of my favorite wrestlers ever. Love Samoa Joe. Um, I have been worried for about six years now that he might be a little washed. Uh, that I haven't seen kind of the traces of peak Samoa Joe for a long time. You know, he's, uh, his call up to the main roster in WWE happened, I want to say, beginning of 20, was that 17, 2017? So now we're, we're going on, yeah, we're going on six years. Uh, and I, I knew what Joe has been capable of, but I have been wanting to see that Joe for a long time. And every time we got little glimpses of it, but we never quite saw it. I thought this match last night, Darby Allen versus Samoa Joe, was the closest I've gotten in a long time to peak Samoa Joe. I thought uh, Darby bumped his ass off. Darby bumped like a maniac for this man, and Samoa Joe just kept taking it to him. This match was uh, almost hard to watch in a sense. But uh, because of the fact that Darby was just taking every single thing Samoa Joe could throw at him, by the end of it, this only went 10 minutes. I thought Darby looked resilient. He looked uh, like the Darby that we saw when uh, in that first year of AEW, the guy that was TNT champion that the fans wanted to see become TNT champion. And honestly, I thought Joe looked... Brock Lesnar level menacing in this match. I thought that the way he was tossing Darby around, throwing him on the concrete, um, throwing him against the the ring apron, the way Darby flew uh, off the ring apron, the way Darby flew or landed on that dive, everything about this I thought made Darby and Joe very special. How did you feel about this match? Oh, dude, I you know Darby is unbelievable with those spots uh the first time i saw darby wrestle was against ethan page and evolve and page picked them up and like gorilla pressed them off a stage into the pillar of the ring and this guy like spun and broke in half so i i was like i have no idea how he does this i don't know how he's walking after this and this entire match for 10 minutes was that he 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 ate everything Joe threw at him. But they also showed the resiliency of Darby Allen. But they've also told a story that, you know, yeah, Darby Darby's great. But, you know, you put a big guy against them. It's going to be difficult for him. So they, they've done a good job at that with Darby where it doesn't hurt him when he loses like this. Um, you know, but it also did a great job at rehabbing Samoa Joe a little bit before a pay-per-view. Of the, you know what a menace he is what a monster of a of a guy he is uh it sold me for the pay-per-view which was nice you know what it did for me um maybe this was an unintentional effect i came out of this especially when darby got up and he was telling joe to come at him that he was ready for some more when he got up and he was ready for more i thought yes i want more to the point of where when wardlow came out i kind of felt like eh kind of over that i want darby and joe again i want to see these guys keep going at it and that's the program now i i like wardlow i want to see more of wardlow but 
I loved how much this heated up Darby Allen and made me want to see Darby Allen versus Samoa Joe again because it felt like, look, Darby almost had it won. He went for that coffin drop and just happened to get cut, caught in the Kikina clutch. That is amazing stuff there. I was all in on that. And I liked how Darby looked coming out of it. So call me crazy. That's actually the feud I want to see. No, I'm into uh, it too. Big time. Big time. A uh, couple more matches on the show. We had uh, Daniel Garcia and Jake Hager versus Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler, Utah. Um, it was good enough. Uh, I had no problems with this. Uh, this was really just to help sell the match. We the two matches we have coming up this Saturday. We have Daniel Garcia taking on Wheeler, Utah for the Ring of Honor Pure Title. We have Claudio Castagnoli taking on Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho wasn't there, so therefore you needed Claudio to kind of work with somebody as a bit of a proxy this match and and jake hager was that proxy uh and yeah i feel like claudio came out of this looking good looking strong it was fine yeah it was it was it was it was intended to do what it was doing and to set up moxley in the end you know oh yeah and because really what followed was what mattered we got a promo from william regal that was recorded two months ago it was almost like a last will and testament huh look at that william regal uh and in this regal explained that he suspected something was going to happen to him and to play this in the event that something happens to him he recorded it with tony Schiavone, and in this he explained why he betrayed moxley and his explanation tad bit convoluted right that he was basically feeling like the blackpool combat club uh was he felt like the the three main members of the blackpool combat club which is brian danielson claudio castagnoli john moxley they're ready they're ready to move on and be the ones to move young wheeler yuda up to the next stage of his career and that they didn't need him anymore but they didn't realize they didn't need him so he needed to show them that they didn't and uh that he really helped mjf because he was putting a target on mjf's back uh so a little bit of a whole convoluted explanation for him to basically tell the blackpool combat club that um he doesn't expect to be seen with them again it was a little bit of a goodbye but that he's bcc forever how did you feel Very about good. this explanation? Yeah, it was a little, it was a convoluted explanation, but man, it set up that 2024 feud between MJF and Regal in WWE, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the best. That's what it really did. It set that up. Uh, I, I guess they had to come up with an excuse and why he turned on 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 Moxley. You know, they had to come up with something. I, I, it was okay. It was convoluted. They 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 wanted to do some sort of farewell, and they got it. They did it. Yeah, and so we're uh, we got an official end. I feel like Moxley came out of that going, <laughs> whatever. I don't give a shit about that. Yeah. I'm just here to yeah. fight. It felt like Moxley, like Moxley w- had this mode about him in promo mode. Um, the two promos he cut on the show, two of them, uh, in both of them, he seemed to kind of illustrate. Look, I'm just ready for Blackpool Combat Club to move on to something else. Talked about being done with the Jericho Pre- Appreciation Society. He said. That after this Sunday, no matter what, we are done with the Jericho Appreciation Society. And uh, I can just tell that they're all done with this feud, which is good. Yeah. Move on. We're done. Uh, but one of the interesting things is that Moxley talked about uh, an open challenge, that he has somebody he wishes to face, I mean, that he's basically opening the door to anybody who wants to face him. Um, and it was later revealed in the show that it's going to be Kanosuke Takeshita. 
and it's going to be happening on Rampage. And it's a match everybody's raving about. That Caden was there. He messaged me to tell me it was very good. And I thought about that for a sec. The last time we heard those words, which was Moxley facing somebody, and it ended up being a really great match, and it led to... uh, uh, it had people talking going into Rampage was when John Moxley faced Wheeler Yuta. John Moxley won that match, but it ended up having Wheeler Yuta join the Blackpool Combat Club. And I can't help but wonder if that's where they're heading with Kanosuke oh, wow. Takeshita. I mean, that's a good rub to get on TV. Uh, I'd like to see him on weekly TV wrestling on Dynamite regularly. Uh, you don't have to put him in high profile matches. Just he's he's so impressive to see. He, I mean, uh, you know, sometimes you hear that about people and you look at them, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. They they got to put like he has the look. He's a big dude, and the ring presence alone goes a long way. And he's also he's been wrestling for a while now. He's been wrestling for like a decade. He's not a rookie. Uh, I I I I'm hoping to see way more of him on TV because I get a kick out of seeing him because he's you know, really good. And we just don't get enough of them on TV. The roster's so big. We don't get a lot of, a lot of people, enough of a lot of people on TV. So I'm hoping that that would be interesting. I, I didn't even think of that. Well, but that makes so much sense to me now. And I'll be so freaking disappointed if it doesn't happen. <laughs> well, they're noting in the chat. Cause they're like, but also Don Callis has been scouting to So he, you know, there could be some kind of play for him from the elite. So uh, who, who knows um, where that's heading, but, I know, because Moxley's already faced Takeshi. He faced him at Fighter Fest earlier this year. And so, again, that's the thing they did with Yuta. Moxley faced him three times, and then by the end of it, Moxley came away going, he's the guy, he's in the Blackpool Combat Club. So there is a little bit of a story you could be telling here. I don't know, but I'm interested in it. We saw a six-woman tag match uh, that was Red Velvet teaming with Kiara Hogan and Madison Rain. Uh, sorry, no, other way around. Sorry, Red Velvet returned to the ring. Red Velvet is with the um, uh, the baddies. Red Velvet teamed with Jade Cargill and um, uh, Layla Gray. Uh, there we go. Doing this all from memory, folks. Layla Gray took on the team of uh, Kira Hogan and Madison Rain and Sky Blue. That's who it was. Thank you. So uh, there's a little bit of storytelling here that I couldn't help but notice. So the main thing here was uh, Red Velvet's return to the ring. She came in uh, just completely fired up here. She was, I thought, from the time she tagged in, it felt like Red Velvet was out there uh, with something to prove. I even told her that yesterday. I thought she looked amazing out there. I thought Red Velvet did. Uh, And again, she just had this fire in her. Also... Uh, Kira Hogan on the opposing side now of the baddies and she got to get in there with Jade a little bit but ultimately this was a fairly short affair that saw Madison Rain take Jaded Uno Dos Trace Madison er, and the Jade Cargill and the baddies get another victory but after the match was over they kept cutting to Red Velvet's face and Red Velvet was looking over at the TBS championship and it sounds Kind of like I was speculating last week when they kicked Kiara Hogan out of the baddies. I said, I think this is building to one by one, 
the dissolution of the baddies and how Jade's getting a little bit in over her head. She's getting a little too big for her britches and she's uh, treating them like shit. And next thing we know now, Red Velvet, who got the trash talk to her last week, she's now eyeing that championship. Something tells me that she's she's got an eye for it and that uh, we're headed there. Do I think she'll beat her for the belt? Probably not. But uh, I do think, again, there's a story we can talk about there. No, definitely. I, I think getting people on TV uh, more is a good thing for them. You get them ready to be in front of a live audience and seeing the reaction and the timing and everything. And and you're also, you need to feed people to Jade, right? That's the whole mm-hmm. story. You need to create people to feed to her uh, because she's so dominant, you know, and impressive in that ring. Well, um, you know, I, I've mentioned this story before, but uh, it was uh, one of my most annoying scoops I had earlier this year was, of course, the, the red velvet injury and that I was there when it happened. Uh, and I saw this all take place and it was really unfortunate. I love Red Velvet. She's somebody I consider um, a friend. I did her uh, music for the AEW album earlier this year. And uh, when I had her on Grapsity earlier this year, when she sat down with me, Reg and Phil, uh, you know, it was one of those things where um, we had to uh, not talk about the injury. And so I was thinking, well, maybe the injury is not so bad. And then like three days later, AEW announces the injury and I'll go, are you kidding me? We had that. Yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, So I was a little annoyed by that. But finally, in the main event, we had the AEW World Tag Team titles on the line. It was the Acclaimed versus FTR, a match that was highly anticipated. Two babyface teams. There was a big question of could... Uh, they either team withstand this, and I think the answer was yes, they could. What did you think? I thought it was fantastic. Great match, great storytelling. You know, this this further solidified the acclaim, uh, the acclaimed in, in a in a in a bigger position in the company. Uh, I don't. I think a lot of people were speculating that FTR would win this, and they didn't. Uh, I, you know, this is good. This is a, this is a good little blend. It was a great TV match. I thought it was fantastic and it didn't hurt anybody. Everybody looked great in that match. Didn't hurt FTR at all by losing. Uh, you set up the Briscoes match. You also put the, the ass boys in the mix. So you, you have moving parts here. You have a bunch of teams that are going. And we also don't know what the Bucks are going to do eventually when they leave this best out of seven series and go back into the, if they go back into the tag title picture. So, you have a lot of things set up. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not a bad idea to possibly set it up where the Acclaim lose to the Bucks and the Bucks drop it to the Elite, uh, to FTR, and now FTR has all the gold eventually. You know, you could do something like that, and then you also now have that match with the Acclaim to get their title back. Yeah, you know, I tweeted earlier that I feel like the Acclaimed are – one of the biggest success stories to come out of AEW that, you know, 100%. AEW has had, they've had the ability to get someone from um, the bottom to the top. We've seen that. Uh, but one of the things that we look for after that is how do you maintain it? And uh, the way you do maintain that when you have somebody get over is through consistent performances. And I think the acclaimed 
have stepped up and had those performances that we've walked away from their matches now going, actually, these guys go in the ring too. And I think this was a match they needed. I think that there's been an issue with having them be tag team champions, but also having even the slightest bit of doubt cast over that, being able to say, well, yeah, they're the champs, but you know, the number one team is FTR. And to give them a decisive victory, to have them win here to win clean, I thought was the best move possible. I thought they all looked like a million bucks. After the match was over, they made an announcement that FTR, I wasn't sure, my speculation was the Kingdom, who did wrestle last night on Elevation. Um, there was speculation over what FTR is going to do at the pay-per-view. Uh, turns out we're just running for a third time, the Briscoes. And they announced the dog collar match. Okay, I would have liked a different way to announce that or get to that or explain that or anything else. Um, I kind of hate that on the third Ring of Honor pay-per-view of this year, there's not kind of another anything for these guys. It's it's just the third of this match. And the problem is the last one was two out of three falls. So the last one already kind of had a little bit of a definitive who's the better team yeah. here. Oh, the one who won two falls. And now it's like, now nah, we're going to do a third match. I didn't necessarily like that. I thought that there's probably other things for FTR to do, but there we have it. That was Dynamite. Sorry, folks. Usually at this point, uh, I would reveal ratings. There's no ratings right now. Uh, all sources, as far as ratings are concerned, have not published them yet. So therefore, we have to end Day After Dynamite without discussing how this show did. I did think this was an excellent episode of Dynamite. I'm going to say that just sure. flat out. By the end of it, I thought, God, I had so much fun with that. Kind of top to bottom. Almost just those first 45 minutes alone. Uh, I had a blast with, but by the time it was over, I really felt like I had watched a really pleasing episode of Dynamite. And the thing that I had been kind of holding against Dynamite recently was, it's not that I haven't liked the show, because of course I've liked the show. You guys like this, or watch the show every week. But the thing that Dynamite was missing was giving me reason to want to see the next episode of Dynamite. And the fact that I came out of this one looking forward to Starks versus MJF more than anything else, uh... That was enough for me. And yeah, they're asking for my opinion on the Jamie Hayter sit down. Um, very good as well. I mean, Jamie Hayter, she's got a great presence on that. Thank you, Redman, for reminding me of that. Jamie Hayter, great presence. I'm a big Sheeta fan, so seeing Sheeta versus Jamie Hayter just sounds straight up exciting. Uh, I want to read these last couple of chat messages, and then we can get out of here. Uh, we have uh, Dante NYC says, hey, it may be old news, but did you see Naomi post the pics? We did talk about that. Um, with Jay Cargill at the Hawks game. We did. Uh, we saw that. I mean, do you have any theories on any of that? I think I think it's wrestlers being wrestlers and wanting people to speculate and talk about it. And I think it did, the, did its job, right? Everybody's talking about it. Yes. Agreed. And then we've got Humper Chats. And Jennifer says, uh, just throwing some love. Thank you, Jennifer. I always appreciate that. Since I missed almost everything last week. Great show for AEW last night. Welcome, Mr. Zarian. Thank you so hey, much, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. I always appreciate you. Yes. Uh, always appreciate those. Let's make sure I got everybody's messages. I don't want to miss anybody. Um, and that looks like it. So, folks, thanks for being here. Andrew, any plugs you want to make? 
uh, WrestlingObserver.com. I do Wrestling Observer Live every Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern. I do the Matt Men Podcast every Friday at 10.30 Eastern. And we're live, pal, on Tuesdays with Garrett Gonzalez on Wrestling Observer. Love Garrett Gonzalez. Garrett's one of my favorites. Garrett's a so. good dude. Yeah, he great is. dude. Uh, and don't forget, at the top of the next hour, uh, if you're a Fightful Select subscriber, FightfulSelect.com, you'll catch a new edition of Ask Grapsity with uh, Reg and Phil. And uh, I guess I'll maybe stop in for a minute. But uh, other than that, folks, come back next week at our regular time. We'll be here. That's 3 p.m. Eastern. That's noon Pacific. YouTube.com slash Fightful. Thank you for being here. For my guest, Andrew Zarian, I'm Will Washington. We'll see you next time. Have a great day. Peace.